Levi just read Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. Anybody want to tell me what's going on there? Who, who's, who's Isaiah prophesying about there? He's prophesying about Jesus. Okay. I can agree with that. Um, if you were to say Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 is blank, like it's describing blank. I mean, yes, um, Jesus releases it, but it's describing blank. Um, what would you fill in the blank with? Okay, Christ's ministry, which is true. Okay, yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a very good answer. Um, it's... I would say that you could include it in that, but I, I'm going to give you a, a specific answer, but I'm going to answer with another question. What's the gospel according to the Bible, not according to contemporary Christianity? What's the gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. He got it. Bob Ryan got it. Okay? And that answers all our questions for the morning. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 is about the ushering in of the kingdom of God, right? So this, this is written around 700 B.C. Jesus is still up in heaven with the Father at that time. Israel is doing pretty good um, economically and all that. They haven't been exiled yet and all that unpleasantness that they went through. Uh, of course, they spiritually kept going down the tubes. Isaiah and, and it was a contemporary of Hezekiah. You might know a little about King Hezekiah. Well, God, God blessed him. Hezekiah sought after God, and God brought a great deliverance to Israel when their enemies came at him. God released a prophetic word. God followed through with that prophetic word. And in the midst of that time period, God is giving all this revelation to Mr. Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah is my favorite Old Testament book because Isaiah so much focuses on the gospel. It focuses on the Messianic age. It focuses on like God's heart. God's heart for humanity is so expressed in Isaiah. So in the contemporaries of Isaiah, the Israelites are reading this prophecy. They're thinking, our nation, there's a Redeemer coming, and God's going to do all of this awesome stuff through this Redeemer. And about 700 years later, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Where's that from? What book? Isaiah! Okay, I love Isaiah. I love it. So Jesus Christ comes into the world. Christianity is birthed, which isn't about a moral code, although it has one. Love God, love your neighbor. But a person, God in flesh, comes in this world, in a world that's broken, in a world that's dark, in a world where there's abuse, where there's slavery, where there's bondage, um, where there's idolatry, where people are murdering each other, where there's a, a infanticide, Jesus comes into a broken world. He comes into the darkness as the light to the world, the only light to the world. 
And around 30 years old, Jesus starts his ministry. Right? The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He goes into the wilderness. He's tempted by the enemy. For 40 days, he's fasting. And then we go to Luke. If somebody would be kind enough to read Luke chapter 4, verses 17 to 21. Jesus declares himself, and he declares what he's going to do to Israel. Luke four seventeen through 21. Yeah, go for it. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, that's a big deal. 700 years prior, this prophecy was decreed. There was hope that was released to a nation. They had this in their holy scripture. Jesus Christ comes, this man, this carpenter's son, and he goes into the synagogue and he says, this day the scripture is fulfilled. This day God is fulfilling his promise. The Holy Spirit's come upon me. And my heart and my eyes are set on the afflicted. My, my heart and my eyes are set on the brokenhearted. And I'm going to bind them. I'm going to set those who are in prison free. I don't just think about Jesus doing this stuff. I think about the heart behind Jesus doing this stuff. I think about God from eternity past and joy welling up in his heart, thinking this broken humanity that made all the wrong decisions, I'm, I'm going to so love coming into the world and restoring their lives and reconciling them to me and seeing their broken, tattered, abused hearts feel safe again and be able to receive love and to see them get forgiven, to get liberated of their sin. When Jesus came into this world, he came to usher in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is more than just pie in the sky when you die, right? There's so much more to the kingdom of God. And when you come into Christ, you come into all the promises of God that are in Christ Jesus. It says that in 2 Corinthians. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. You get sealed with the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies. Right? The Bible says that we have the same spirit of Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Spirit there's incomparably great power. The kingdom of God is in me. The kingdom of God is in you. 
Jesus says he talks about the kingdom. It's not going to come as you suppose, right? He, before he goes to heaven, when are you going to restore all things? And, and Jesus redirects the disciples, right? It, it's not going to be tangible like the way you think. I'm not going to restore this nation now. It's going to happen. As Molly said, Jesus is coming back. This world still has a battle of two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The church, the people of God, they are called to usher in the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our job, that's our privilege, that's our responsibility, that every day we pray, we listen to the Holy Spirit, we choose to love people, we choose to bless people, we choose to speak words of life, we choose to lay hands on people. We choose to forgive people. And the kingdom of God is extended, right? Through our words, through our prayers, through our love. Every day. I had a talk with my mom yesterday. It was the most deep talk I've ever had with her in my life. I spoke prophetically to her. I told her, I was praying to the Lord. The Lord showed me something about her. And I said, I believe God's shown me something about what's going on in your heart. And she said, yes, Bob, you're right. And that opened the door for me to talk more and more and more about some very deep things. It was very powerful. That's the kingdom of God being released through me into my mother's life. Jeremy Frisco talking to the unbeliever who had questions and who, who's angry at God. That's the kingdom of God being released. Bob and Linda Ryan going to Africa, bringing transformation, bringing Christian values, sharing the gospel. That's releasing the kingdom of God. Joe Protzman being a basketball coach. And his friend Kyle Sally. I, I was thinking yesterday that going somewhere like, like hanging around secular people and just loving them and seeing if God maybe will open a door, showing them unconditional love, that might be more powerful in releasing the kingdom of God than, than leadership in a church that might very well bear more fruit in so doing. And you can release the kingdom of God and sow seeds and people may or may not come to Jesus. We hope they will. But releasing the kingdom of God is releasing the heart of God. It's releasing the power of God. The Apostle Paul says, I didn't just come to you with words, but I came to you with power. Right? And it all comes back to Jesus because the kingdom of God comes through a person. It comes through the God-man, Jesus Christ. It's not by my faith. My faith itself is a gift from God. That's the work of God, to give me faith. It's the mercy and grace of God. It's something I can't muster up. Now, I can build up my faith. I can build up my faith through prayer, through reading the word, through fellowship and all that, and I should. But we've got to realize the whole of the Christian life, the whole of the kingdom of God is of grace. It's of grace. It's not of works. Right? And the deeper I can get rooted and grounded in the reality of grace. I've done things I'm ashamed of. Maybe you have too. Probably not Joe. He's probably done everything right. <laughs> but some of us here have probably done stuff we're ashamed of. But you know what? God isn't ashamed. Jesus paid it all. God's for us. And our weaknesses do not hinder us from the call God has for us. Our weaknesses 
doesn't hinder us from from God loving us because God's love is unconditional and that's the beauty of the kingdom. You look at the core. Jesus healing people, it says that, that compassion, he was moved with compassion. And so the supernatural power of God was released to heal the sick, to cause blind eyes to see, right? It's the love of God that releases the kingdom of God. God is benevolent towards this broken world. You know what? Towards the pimp in, in North Minneapolis or wherever, God is looking on that person with love. Is there anger and wrath towards their sin? Yes. But you know what's greater? God wants them to come to Jesus. God wants somebody to take the gospel to them. God wants somebody to demonstrate the gospel, right, to the prostitute. You think God looks on them with, with uh, condescending judgment or you think he looks on them with grieving and mercy? When Jesus came into the world, he brought the kingdom to the world. And it says in Isaiah 61 that the good news goes to the afflicted. Well, who did Jesus go to? He didn't go to the rich, although some of them came to him and he received them. Right? He didn't go to those with great status. He went to the broken. God seems to have a favor towards the broken, towards the afflicted. And I won't even say seems to, he does, because that's what the Bible talks about. The orphan, the fatherless, the widow, the slave. That attracts God. It attracts God. And God loves doing stuff. He loves restoring lives. The kingdom of God, now if, if you... If you go down a couple of verses, it talks about restoring the ancient ruins. Right? There's a lot of families that are broken, and the family line on the generations are broken. That's ancient ruins. And God is big enough to restore families and family lines where families have agreed with lies and sin and Satan, the kingdom of darkness, has come in and ripped those families to shreds. Father God wants to release the kingdom to bring restoration to those families. Now let's think about cultures. right? Bob and Linda have a heart for Africa. I have a heart for the Native Americans. And you think of their culture getting ripped to pieces, their identity getting ripped to pieces by us awesome Western Europeans. Okay? Well, we have more power. We have, we're better at manipulation. Uh, we have greater technology. So we're going to slaughter most of you. And we're going to rip you off. And we're going to steal your land. And, uh, and we're going to displace you. And if you go off your reservation, it's legal to shoot you. That's the way it was in the 1800s. This is American history. I know this stuff. I've studied this stuff. And now you have... Native Americans and reservations and the suicide rate for some of these is off the charts. The brokenness is off the charts. And you can think of other cultures, other people groups, and their culture is shredded. Do you think God wants to restore those cultures? Yeah. The answer is yeah. Right? And God puts it on some of our hearts, certain people, certain ages that are neglected, that are desperate for the kingdom of God, the grace and mercy of God to come into their lives and bring transformation. Okay. 
I was at work a few weeks ago, a non-believing sales rep. He fell down the stairs. I laid my hands on him. Can I lay my hands on you? Might seem weird. I don't care. Um, he said, sure. I, I prayed. It touched him. I know it did. I didn't ask him if he was healed or not, but then before he left that day, he came to me and he said, thank you. And it wasn't a shallow thank you. It was from a deep place in his heart. He was touched. And whether or not he was healed, you know what? I released kingdom love to him. I showed him that I cared. And I showed him that God cared. You know, you listen to Steve Harris and you listen to these different testimonies that just naturally throughout his life, he has a kingdom perspective. Every meeting with any person is an opportunity to release the kingdom of God. And we're not obnoxious. We're not socially awkward. Um, we, we do this in a way that's so loving and natural and safe. And it brings transformation. I mean, I kind of like being socially awkward sometimes. I have to confess. Um, but, but I do want to say that the more safe I can be and the more natural I can be and the more humble I can be, the more receptive people are going to be of what I have to share. Right? Okay. So that's reality. Jesus Christ released the kingdom of God And he baptized his disciples to release the kingdom of God. He invited them to do things they had never done before. Go preach the gospel. Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Open the eyes of the blind. Wow, that's intimidating. But I saw him do it. I saw him do it, and he said that I can. So we're going to go out two by two, and we're going to do it. And they did it. And they come back to him, and they say, Wow, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Right? They, they saw supernatural power working through them. I cast out demons, like, a lot. I do. I'm, I'm known. I don't want to be known as, like, the demon guy. I'd rather be known as like the, the love person or something like that. But I've did, did a lot of deliverance this week. Um, yes, yeah. Noah, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Okay. But some, something I, I do want to say, when, when we're casting out demons, which we have the authority to do, anybody can do it who's in Christ. Because you have legal authority under the headship of Jesus. You're part of the victorious kingdom, and the reality is demons are real, and they try and rob you from good things, and they try and deceive you, and so forth and so on. So I'm exercising my kingdom authority regularly to do that, but I'm also exercising my kingdom authority by loving people. The greatest of these is love. When I think about the kingdom of God or I think about the idea of a church, like, uh, somebody gave me a testimony. This particular church has the greatest uh, maturity in sorting their prophetic gift. It's the house church, Jamie Van Gilder. Uh, they're awesome at prophecy. I've heard that. I, I hear other other churches. They're known for different things. Bethlehem Baptist. They're they're awesome with doctrine. They're they're uh, so skilled at that. And I I think well. What's the brand of Lydia House? What does God want the brand of Lydia House to be? And I, I believe it's love. 
And I'm not talking some gooey, sappy nonsense. I'm talking about a love that is so concrete and so real and is so divine that it brings literal transformation of people's lives. That's what I'm talking about. That's the centrality of the kingdom of God is a manifestation of the love of God that brings transformation to people. And I can operate in any spiritual gift, but if I have not love, it's not going to amount to much. There's power churches. There are Christians that get so excited about power. You know what? Power is cool, but if you don't have love driving it, it's not going to do much. It might do more harm than good. Okay, so love, the kingdom of God, the more we're rooted and grounded in love, the more fruit we're going to bear, the more transformation we're going to see, and um, the more the kingdom is going to be released. Okay, so I've been on my inner healing journey. It's been very extensive, but you know what I can say? There's a direct correlation. The more my heart has been healed, the more my heart's been taken over by Father's love, the more I can receive from him, the more of who God is, and the more of his kingdom I can steward. There's a direct correlation with being able to release his love and his power and my inner healing. I don't think it's just a personal thing. I think that's universal. Inner healing isn't fun, but it sure bears a lot of fruit. In your quality of life, the, the results of, of walking down that street in your heart, wow, my quality of life is better. You gave a testimony a few weeks ago, didn't you? about some deep things God did in your heart? Do you th- would you say your quality of life is better? Okay, maybe your relationships are better. Maybe your emotional life is better, and maybe you're even seeing God move through you in deeper ways. Maybe, maybe. It comes down to our hearts, our hearts. Let's, let's forget about all the external stuff in our lives for now, and let's just think about my heart, and let's think, how am I stewarding my heart do I have joy? Do I have sorrow? Uh, God cares about my heart. Jesus died to heal my heart. He came to bind the brokenhearted. That's a part of releasing the kingdom of God. That's one of God's main priorities is literally to heal your heart. It's one of his main goals. It's, it's up there with salvation. He came to bind the brokenhearted. And the reality is a lot of people are brokenhearted. They may have facades, they may have coping mechanisms, but there's a lot of brokenness still in their heart. And Jesus says, this may hurt a little, but I'm safe and I love you and I'm going to restore your heart. I'm going to restore your heart. I'm going to revive your heart. I'm going to revive your heart. And that's true revival. I'd say Jeremy Frisco's having a personal revival. I, I know different people in my life who are having personal revivals. And I'm not talking about power again. I think that's a, a um, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's biblical to talk about revival and just like define it by power. I think it's biblical to say, is my heart coming to life? Is God brooding over my heart? Is there a joy? Is there awareness of the love of God? Am I rejoicing in who God is? Am I experiencing the love of God? That's true revival. Okay, that's the kind of thing that we want. So I'm just going to, that naughty piece of paper, it's, it's going astray from the other flock, but I don't need it right now anyway, so that's okay. The kingdom of God is here, but not in its fullness. 
but it's here in much power, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to release the kingdom of God. So what, what can we do to release the kingdom of God? We can share about Jesus. We don't have to get all apologetic and theological. You can, but it seems that authentic testimonies of what God has done for people tend to bear a lot of fruit. What has Jesus done in my life? Intellectualism? Um, God can move through that. Paul debated with, with people and there is some fruit. Um, he also, we also see in the book of Acts where people like Philip go to a certain area, Samaria, Samaritan village, and there's, there's a power encounter. And these people know about spiritual reality. And there are all these demons that are manifesting because the kingdom of God is provoking them. He's casting demons on all these people. And you know what? They come to Jesus. And one of the main reasons why they do is likely because they saw a supernatural power that was greater than anything they've seen before. And in a lot of the third world countries, that's, that's why people receive Christianity, the charismatic movement, going across through all these different uh, nations throughout the world and having so much of a harvest in third world countries because they are more spiritists, they're, they're aware of spiritual realities, and they're seeing that, that this Jesus God can do more than all these other gods can do. He's the real God because he's got all the power. And I think it's important we, we keep that idea um, in our minds and our hearts. Uh, prophesying over people doesn't always bring them to Jesus, but you know what? It can sow seeds. Sometimes it literally does bring people to Jesus. Jesus prophesied all the time in his ministry. Some people responded, but some people's hearts got hardened. Did the Pharisees experience Jesus prophesying? The answer is yes. Did Jesus know the interior of their hearts and did he share that with them? The answer is yeah, he did. But it just hardened their hearts more because they didn't have a heart to receive Jesus. So prophecy is not the be-all and end-all. Praying for the sick. If, you're gonna, if you ask somebody if, if you can pray for them, they're probably going to say yes. I think I've only had one person say no. I've laid hands on people that I've never met before, and maybe it's a heart issue, and I've seen them cry. And I, Several. It's not just one. Okay, Never met them before. I'm just stepping out in faith. God's doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm just putting my hand on that person's shoulder, and the Holy Spirit's moving, and their heart's getting touched. And that might change the trajectory of their lives. All right? So remember, God is the one who does the kingdom stuff. We step out in faith. We do our little work, our little part of this. We're co-laborers with Jesus. God does the big part of it. The power of forgiveness. You don't, I mean, you may know. If, if, if you come from a broken background and there are people that are close to you that have really hurt you and you forgive them, there is power of the kingdom behind forgiving people. Not just in your heart, but even going up to him saying, I forgive you. This happened with my mom. Um, I forgave her for some of the stuff she did in my childhood. I formally said it to her over the phone. I was not comfortable doing it. But the Lord prompted me to do it, and I could literally feel the power of the Holy Spirit like move in me and through me. And then I got a, a card a few days later, which my mom never does, like unless there's a holiday or something. And she told me how much it meant to her that I forgave her. And over the past few years, this happened about four years ago or so, her heart's been softening up to God. 
So it's just to say, some, sometimes when we release forgiveness like that, it can so prepare a person's heart for receiving God because you're showing them grace. And remember, the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of grace. I didn't do anything to earn my salvation or to get spiritual gifts, right? The grace of God overshadowed me. And now I want to be a vehicle of grace and give people what they don't deserve so they can encounter the grace of God, so they can be saved, so Father God can have more sons and daughters to love for eternity. And then they can go and release the kingdom of God as well. That's pretty exciting. Uh, we talked a little earlier about joy. The more joyful we are, the more attractive we are, just in all reality. Because we're made in God's image. We're made for, uh, for certain emotions. Depression is not one of them. We're not made for depression. It doesn't do good for your body. It doesn't do good for your functionality. But when you are operating in joy, your life bears a lot of fruit. You are, you are engaging reality in such a way that it's satisfying for you and satisfying for others. And joy really comes from knowing God, and joy comes from loving each other and receiving each other. Joy is really relational. Steve, yeah, yeah. Okay, I like the sound of that. Oh, really? Okay. Well, when he comes back, we'll, ha we'll have to ask him about that. So if I'm operating in joy and I'm operating in a spirit of love, I'm literally changing the atmosphere around me. I'm allowing the spirit of God through my emotions to define the kind of atmosphere. Right? Isn't that true? You can go into a room and you can literally change the atmosphere, but it's not you, it's God in you. It's Christ in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit in you. The fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruit is joy. Right? It's the Holy Spirit. It's us yielding to the Holy Spirit and bringing transformation. Jesus is coming back, and that's good news. All right? The good news is if we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to him as Lord and Savior, we've repented of our sins, we've been adopted in the family of God, and God's not going to kick us out. A son belongs to the family forever, and so does a daughter. You daughters, you're not going to get kicked out either. Um, and we have privileges, we have blessings, but our, our great hope is not in this world. We have a lot of blessing, we have a lot of power in this world, but he's coming back. Jesus has a glorified body. He's coming back. And that's the promise of Christianity. And we're able to suffer. We're able to say no to certain urges and temptations and things like that because God is coming back. God's going to dwell on earth with us for eternity. Is that real to you? Is that real to me? Perfect love, God, is literally going to manifest his glory and his presence in this world for eternity and we're all going to have a glorified body that's part of our salvation that's a promise of our salvation if we're in christ you know, maybe some of us have health problems maybe some of us look in the mirror and you know what i have a few more wrinkles than i used to i have a little bit of gray hair you might not notice it but i have a little bit i'd rather be all brown okay i could use a little healing for my body but you know what? There's going to be complete healing 
There's going to be complete joy. He's going to wipe away every tear. This is the promise of the kingdom. That's the fulfillment of the kingdom, of uh, being part of the family of God. It's like, Daddy's coming home, people. Seriously. Daddy's coming home. And he's going to embrace each one of us. He's going to love each one of us. And he's going to satisfy our hearts completely and wholly. And, and he is going to give us authority and give us rest and give us stewardship of stuff. And we're going to have perfect relationships with each other. This is the vision of God. It's not just the kingdom of God, it's the family of God. And I think, wow, that's exciting. That's exciting. But I want to do as much as I can in this life. And every day I have an opportunity. It's like our lifespan is only so much. We don't know if we're going to die tomorrow or 50 years from now. But we only have one life to live. We have one life to live. I don't want to squander it with stupid stuff. God's given us all things to enjoy. I don't want to go legalistic on this stuff. I mean, the kingdom of God and releasing is a joyful thing. It's fun. Yeah, it's hard at times. Yeah, it's costly at times. But I'm just saying, I want to know God. I want to know his heart. And I want to, out of grace and unconditional love and out of joy, step out in faith and release the kingdom of God every single day to the people around me. The more free my heart is, the greater the fruit, the greater the manifestation of the kingdom is going to be. And I'll just leave it at that, but we're going we're gonna to pray. Are you all on board with what I shared? Is that good? Okay, so here's what I'm going to pray. I believe, you talk about the year of Jubilee, you talk about revival. Um, each one of us are vessels of Christ. Each one of us are vessels of the Holy Spirit. And we're broken vessels. And I'm going to pray for our faith to increase. And I'm going to pray that we would see the kingdom of God released in our lives and through our lives in greater ways this year. Does that sound good? Okay. Can we stand for this? Just believe that God's going to move. Lord, we, we just ask, God, as you are love, let us become love. Let us become love. Let us become love, Father God. We are to be like you. We are to be like you. Lord, let us be patient and kind and not proud and not rude and not self-seeking and not easily angered. Let us be emotionally satisfied. Let us be joyful. Father, I ask for greater release of your Holy Spirit this morning. I ask for joy. Father, I ask for joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You're a joyful God. I ask that you release joy over us and in us and through us this morning. God, give us a deep revelation of your love. Let us experience it. It's not just theology. It's our experiential reality. Supernatural God is engaging our spirits and bringing us emotional freedom and emotional satisfaction. Let it come, Father God. And I ask that you would enable us and empower us and give us faith to see the kingdom of God release, even through um, a loving glance, even through meaningful eye contact. Lord, we look at people and, and just what's communicated is, I love you, you're important, you're accepted. Lord, let joy well up within us. Let joy well up within us and let it bring transformation to other people's lives. And let us lay hands on the sick and the emotionally broken and let us see them recover. 
Lord, and let us be a community of love and joy. Let Lydia House be marked by love and let it be marked by joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.